Sunday, March 22nd, 2020, day six of the apocalypse. Sup everyone, I'm Paul Clark, Sup Paul. How are you doing? Thanks for coming back to the podcast. I look forward to hearing from you to see how you're doing, what you're doing to stay healthy and sane and get a little bit of perspective from where you're at. In this episode, we are meeting my buddy, Alan Pace, who lives in the Wenatchee Valley in central Washington. We've paddled a lot together. We've done some overnight trips. He's shown me the best sections of the Wenatchee River to run on paddle boards. He's always fun to hang out with. He's always fun to listen to. So this is a two-part series where we chat with Alan. The first is his take on social distancing in his community. He's a school teacher, of course. Schools are out indefinitely. But he'll talk about a little bit about the last week that he was teaching, how students were reacting. School is out and he has been free to have a good conversation with me about what he's doing to stay healthy and sane and a little bit about what his community in the Wenatchee Valley are doing. So this is the first part of our conversation with Alan talking about social distancing. Everyone seems to have a different idea of what social distancing is. And some of these, uh, mandates or you know limitations on keep your gatherings to a number smaller than 10 you know because back when it was you know well less than 250 people oh wait no less than 50 people oh wait no less than uh, 10 people that was a week or two ago when we were deciding which school events could continue to take mm-hmm. place and which ones mm-hmm. we would cancel and wait a second nba shutting down and all this stuff we it's all about these numbers like what size of a crowd could you handle? And so I feel like there's still a fair amount of people that are, are thinking you can do whatever you want as long as you're not with a group that's over 10. So let's cancel that giant house party. I haven't been out and around town much in the last few days. I've gone into my classroom to work where they spent a couple of days deep cleaning and disinfecting everything but you know i enter my classroom from an exterior door and you know i can put together examples uh student worker put together uh, uh little demonstrations and use zoom or or just google classroom to to put that information out and try and push it out to my students it's a pretty pretty big deal that i think you know people are are waking up to at at different points in time i think I think for me, what's been kind of apparent, I guess it's been apparent for a long time, but just, you know, over the last three to four years, this uh, polarized, you know, social world we're living in where, you know, people can choose their facts by choosing their, their media sources and, you know, create their own little information bubbles and, and it was so apparent the last week that I was uh, in the classroom with students, a week and a half, actually, um, from, you know, the information that I chose to, to believe, it was becoming very apparent that this was, you know, very serious. And so we had some orders at our schools, you know, hey, everybody wash your hands and take precautions. Mm-hmm. This is no joke. But generally, it was, it was disregarded by most of my students. You know, most classrooms don't have... Uh, 
sinks, right? But I, mm-hmm. I teach art, so I have five sinks with a soap dispenser at each one. And, you know, every class would come in and I, you know, we've got these long passing periods. And uh, as the kids filter into my room, I'm like, hey, guys, you know, this is serious. Why don't you wash your hands before class and after class? So, you know, you're not, you know, spreading things. We're sharing tools for ceramics. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of... Uh, a materials based classroom. So, you know, we're touching a lot of the same things. Mm-hmm. You know, I was telling these kids, well, wash your hands and most of them just wouldn't. And you'd get comments from kids like, it's no big deal. It's just like the flu. You know, everyone's just overreacting. You know, one kid licked his hand and wiped it on his own face and then walked over to sharpen his pencil and wiped his hand on his buddy's face. And they all laughed and thought that was funny. You know, there's this whole time period. Well, there's still no cases in this county. And you try to explain, yeah, because we haven't been testing anybody in this county. You know, but people are <laughs> flowing back and forth. You know, we're just on the other side of the mountains from Seattle. And yeah. there's plenty of people that live in here. Um, uh, in this protected little valley that drive back and forth to Seattle for work. They're bringing it back and forth. And there's this extremely long incubation period where you can be contagious and have no symptoms. You might not have symptoms at all. And, and I think most of us understand all these things now, but it took some people hearing it once or twice to get it. And it took some people hearing it and really waiting for the the president, I, I look back last Wednesday's nights uh, when, when uh, the president finally kind of changed his tone on it and, and said that it was a little more serious than it had been saying previously. Um, then the next day in school, you know, I continue to, to start each class with just a little public service announcement saying, hey, guys, keep washing your hands. Take this seriously. And, and I got a little less pushback from some of the usual uh, kids, but you know, that was last Wednesday. Yep. And uh, I get, you know, eight, nine days ago or something. And then now um, uh, I guess this last uh, Monday, just five, six days ago was my last day with students. And we spent the day handing out supplies mm-hmm. uh, so that they could take things home and, uh, and try and, and keep a little bit of normalcy with, uh, with education. Um, but during that time period, you know, I still had, uh, some kids resistant to all this, you know, you had kids, even, even a a teacher or two, like coughing up and down the halls and, and not to, you know, not really taking, you still got the jokes, um, certain amounts of, uh, of, uh, you know, and, and everybody responds to something, you know, something dangerous a little bit differently maybe somebody's way of of easing tension is to pass around a a joke about the whole situation you know like oh i've survived Mm -hmm. or survived the ebola and and listing off all the things that have happened that didn't kill us all and nobody's saying this is going to kill us all you know you can do the math and it's like you might know somebody that dies from this you know it's not like we're all going to die from this but you know just the the impacts are going to be significant um um whether we try and flatten the curve or not you know and we have economic impacts from flattening the curve you know i'm thankful i'm not the the governor having to make decisions um but the whole thing uh has been been crazy on that last monday i was reading some material that all the teachers got in their mailbox that was you know 
titled something like why this isn't a snow day and there was a, a directive in there that said something to the effect of you know don't go to your family or friends houses don't have you know private get-togethers you know stay home limit your interactions to just your your family unit and and you know all these things that should make sense to us but as soon as i said the world word like hey don't go to your go over to your family and friends houses you know we kind of had the usual suspects bristle and be like oh i'd like to see them try and stop me you know a lot of these second amendment militia type we need to protect ourselves from the overreach of the evil government their reaction isn't like oh yeah maybe i should stay home theirs is like how dare the government tell me what to do and i get that a little bit i suppose the slow rollout of people that seem to be taking it seriously just happens to coincide with how much do you actually pay attention to the news and so many people have just news burnout right it's just been sure. exhausting keeping up with the the news cycle over the last three four years so some people have just given up completely and gone to reading fictional books or or sure. whatever and just kind of like oh my gosh when is all this going to be over and so you might not have a clue about any of this stuff because you're just like it's just one more thing until all of a sudden your school's shut down and you're like, oh, maybe I should read up on this thing. It's a very large slap in the face that to you in your small town in central Washington and here in Oregon and in China, it's a, it's a slap in the face saying, this is real. We have to take it serious. You, you have to tell people this is not a snow day. Don't gather so that when they still gather, everybody looks around like, should we be gathering? I mean, it yeah. should be, it's all of a sudden like an ethical thing. Like, should we be doing this? As opposed to, yeah, of course we should be doing this. You know, we kind of had a crappy, uh, crappy snow year. You know, yeah. we get our seasons passed to the local ski area, Mission Ridge. And uh, we just haven't had a lot of snow on that particular hill. And then we got a big old dump and it was <laughs> awesome. And, and we went up Saturday, last Saturday knowing that school was going to be canceled, knowing that this thing is serious, but kind of thinking, let's stay out of the lodge. And uh, let's, you know, I guess they're standing in line. And uh, so I'm a little uneasy about my decision, a little bit of guilt about it. But man, you know, big powder day. And so, and a ton of other people have the same thought. So there's a little bit of uneasy talk about it in the lines uh, here and there. And you're riding up a chairlift, mostly with just my family. But if you're riding up with a a stranger and you're sitting there wondering like okay there's breath what's a droplet what's an aerosol you know sure. you read it can stay in the air for two hours like am i breathing everyone else's air that that goes sometimes you can just smell the weed uh yeah, yeah. coming off of the chair two three chairs ahead of you and so you're like well what there was this kind of like look around like is this is this all right and then after work on wednesday uh i paddled the river and I wasn't sure about it because it's a really low level. So risk reward. Uh, it was just nice to get out. It was a sunny day. Nice to get out and, and paddle the river. And you know, there's some fun, fun spots, even at, at low levels and perfect social distancing when you're on the river, you know, <laughs> lots of space. Um, but you know, it's the, it's the shuttle aspect and sure. the guy I went with, you know, he lives two blocks from the, from the takeout, you know, and I live four minutes from the takeout and, um, he's a single guy lives in like a tiny home in someone's backyard. And, uh, you know, we just kind of agreed over the phone to be, 
you know, to be careful. I thought, well, I still don't understand this whole breathing breath thing. Do you need to mm-hmm. cough, etc. Neither of us had symptoms. So we thought, well, we'll just keep the windows rolled down. We'll only touch mm-hmm. our own gear um, and, you know, make the best of it. You know, if, if that turns out to be something that is uh, irresponsible behavior, I don't know how I would quite determine that. Uh, I'm lucky to have my wife who's always willing to, you know, help shuttle me for solo trips, uh, on the river. And, you know, there's, I suppose, some risk in solo trips, man, this river's, you know, big fun and relatively safe. So I've been doing quite a bit of that, um, over the last several years. From what I understand, just listening to interviews with, with doctors and stuff is that, look, we're going to try and test more people, but it's still, we're still not going to test everyone. You know, everyone needs to assume they have it. And whether you have a positive or negative, we need you to practice social distancing. And yeah, maybe it's a, an acceptable risk to shuttle if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if you do have it, you probably need to stop shuttling. You know, that's where it gets tricky, where I was sort of like feeling slight guilt about participating in the shuttle. Also, just people seeing, you know, people seeing that, you know, trying to, it's like groupthink, you know. Sure. You set a good example. When you go out and you see, oh, other people are doing that, I guess it's okay. You know, if you look across the street and you see, oh, your neighbors have guests over, maybe it's not so big a deal. You know, maybe we'll, we'll do the same. So, I mean, people are followers in general. You know, we don't like to believe that. But if, if you see other people doing something that you respect or halfway respect, you might think, you know what, this is, this is okay. So some of that early last week, we turned down offers, you know, Hey, mm-hmm. can your son come spend, you know, like my, my son's friends, you know, Hey, can you come spend the night at, at our house? And it's like, no, we're going to take this social distancing seriously. And that's why I was talking to my, my students every day is just trying to be one more voice on the side of caution because I, I didn't see a lot of that. Um, you know, I still go around town. And I see kids playing on playground equipment where they're sure. all touching the handlebars and, and, uh, and just kind of what, I mean, just how this thing's supposed to spread. It's like, well, that's a good place to, to leave it and to pick it up and take it back to your house. There are germs everywhere that we've come to accept as, as normal. It is an issue. There is no vaccine. There is no cure for it. And it is killing people. It is killing vulnerable people. And it's even affecting uh, healthy people. Mm-hmm. who might have a compromised immune system. We spent a few days in the backcountry. We were exhausted. We were tired. My immune system was down. Uh, who knows what I was consuming that, you know, I might be diabetic. Who knows what that young, relatively healthy person was experiencing and why the, 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 the COVID-19 affected him so negatively. Hey, wait, when, you say, the COVID-19, when you say the COVID-19, are you referring to the Chinese virus? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the Kung Flu. <laughs> and I think the you know, those are the jokes that you were that probably one. hearing in your high school. And you No, know, I was hearing them from the White House. <laughs> oh, no. I'm serious. Like, there was, you know, the, anyways. Two weeks ago in the United States, we had the leaders knew that this could be a very problematic thing. And they chose the path of, this isn't problematic. We're going to actually joke about the name. But imagine if they said, everybody hit the brakes now. It wouldn't have happened. We needed to see other nations going through this first. We needed to be the follower. And, you know, the United States for years and years and years has been a leader, a political powerhouse. And now we're certainly a follower. 
And we had to see what was going on in Italy. We had to see what was going on in Asia to make even your right wing community realize, man, this is serious and we have to respond in kind. We're not set up to handle something like this. Yeah. And, and there's no reason we can't be. Apparently you can use Zoom to have a beer with your buddies. <laughs> I don't, I don't know familiar with Zoom yet. <laughs> it's it's kind of like Skype, but like group Skype, I think. Ah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, you know where I live, and uh, up at the top of the the road there, there's a cul-de-sac. We got a nice view, and it's a nice spot there. And we we took a, a walk along the ditch bank last night, Don and I, and ran into a neighbor, and we're like, yeah, we should. Uh, I think we saw a picture online of some social distancing gatherings or whatever it was like yeah we should uh we should go up and bring the lawn chairs and spread out around the cul-de-sac and have a nice distant beer with the with the neighborhood so we'll probably do that this afternoon but it's it is one of those things where you know we're sitting up there enjoying our weird kind of vacation this is like oh this is this is a nice unique way to hang out I'm sure that just like in the environment and the ecosystem and everything, everything's connected, you know, so, you know, whatever's bad out there um, is going to touch everything else in unexpected ways or maybe expected ways for people that are smarter than me. Uh, So, you know, nothing can really be taken lightly, uh, but you can uh, go out and get on the river and, and just think about how, how, uh, yeah, <laughs> how much fun that is. <laughs> Take and a it look is at fun. Symbolic. Yeah. It's just kind of funny. We say, well, well, don't, don't go to work unless you are, you, you have like essential, you know, you're an essential job, you know? And then it just so happens that most of these essential jobs aren't actually paid that much. And I, and I kind of feel like maybe we should rethink that. Uh, but Whoever has the power makes the rules, you know, and if you're making the rules, you know, why set it up to where you have to work real hard too. Thanks so much, Alan. This is the end of the first part of the two-part series with Alan Pace in the Wenatchee Valley. Tomorrow it's about river paddleboarding. I'm excited to hear from you. I want to know how you're doing, what you're doing to stay healthy and sane, and your perspectives about travel, isolation, social distancing. Let's chat. Reach out to me. I look forward to hearing from you. Remember to keep humanity more important than the person. Take care, guys. Talk to you tomorrow.